Well, hi, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church podcast. I'm Chris Taylor, and I'm glad you're listening in today. If this is your first time listening, I'd love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Necessary Sins. Now, that sounds pretty heretical, doesn't it? But we can find all kinds of ways to rationalize these sins away. It won't hurt anybody, right? In fact, it may be for the best that we do this small sin right now. It's almost necessary. Today we're looking at lying, and I remember a VeggieTales episode from the 1990s that was about this little fib from outer space. It started out teeny tiny, but it just kept growing and growing until it was this massive lie that couldn't be controlled. We'll start off with all kinds of little lies, but eventually these lies consume us. For more about lying as a necessary sin, here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Addison. It's Father's Day, and it is Bacon Sunday. How cool is that, right? How many of you guys tried the real, real hot stuff? You guys are wrong. It is hot. Okay. How many of you guys actually liked it? I see the hands. There are a few hands. That is so cool. Let's bow our heads together as we get started. Father, we know that you're here. What we say and do, we want to please you. So we ask that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Jesus, your precious son, we pray. Amen. Okay, Father's Day, Bacon Sunday, and I'm going to mess it up probably by talking about lying. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just tell the truth. Sometimes that's hard. Because, you know, here's one of the cruelest, nastiest, meanest questions that any man and every man is going to be asked. Does this make me look fat? Right? And uh, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that's hard. Does this make me look fat? Yes. That doesn't work too good, does it? No. But you might be lying. You're going to be hosed either way. I dug up. I dug around a little bit just to try to find some answers. Now, these first couple of answers, guys, I am not recommending. Do not use these. It will be God dishonoring, okay? Here it goes. Does this make me look fat? Compared to whom? (laughs) Don't use that one. Does this make me look fat? I've seen worse. (laughs) These answers are a little smarter. Does this make me look fat? You're asking me? How stupid do you think I am? That's not bad. Does this make me look fat? No obole English. I like that one. I like that one. I'm not even sure I pronounced it right, but that doesn't matter. It's still good. I tried thinking about how Jesus might respond. I wondered whether his yes would be yes and his no would be no. When we go prepare sermons on, on Tuesdays, Tom, um, Tom Troff, who's over at Hillcrest Baptist, he comes with us and works with Randy and I. And he said that if a woman ever asked Jesus whether her tunic made her look fat, Jesus would probably tell a parable, right? <laughs> there once was a man with a wife who asked a silly, silly question. Or maybe Jesus would pull out one of his other sayings, just make me look fat. Well, everyone who has will be given more. And they will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what they do have will be taken from them. That wouldn't work either. So what do you think if you're a Jesus follower? You don't want to lie, because lying dishonors our God, doesn't it? You don't want to be brutal honest, 
Because we are supposed to be people of grace. We're not supposed to hurt people unnecessarily. Truth for grace. Sometimes it almost feels like it's truth versus grace. We're going to get back to that stuff in a little bit. We're kicking off a tiny little four-week series this morning that I'm going to call Necessary Sins. Now, there are some sins that everybody, except maybe an occasional psychopath, everybody's going to agree is always evil, always wrong, never right. Rape, always evil. Murder, always wrong. Abusing a child, never right. But there are other sins that we treat like they're more respectable, more understandable, maybe even necessary. We call them our necessary sins. Is lying always wrong? What if it's a joke? What if you're lying to protect somebody? Is that wrong? Or what if it's just a little harmless white lie? Or what if you're just embellishing a story to give it a little bit of pop? Is it always wrong? What about anger? I mean, the Bible teaches that sometimes it is necessary to be angry. It's okay to be angry. In fact, I think that anger is required sometimes, but we all know that anger can be wrong. It's hard for us to agree where that line is. Or gossip. In two weeks, Vern, our Connections pastor, is going to preach a sermon on gossip, which is one of the sins most excused and most overlooked by Jesus followers. It's the Jesus followers sin, and it's evil. And then lust. We live in a culture where lust is everywhere. And it's not just ubiquitous. It's defended and it's celebrated. And those who push back against it are actually mocked. Right? Necessary sins. What do you think? Are they necessary? Well, for those of us who are Jesus followers, there's a bigger question. What does he think? What do you think he thinks? Because I'm telling you guys, what God thinks is way more important than what they think. And it's way more important than what we think. We are Jesus' followers. Would he call them necessary? In fact, we're going to kind of wrap up this little series around two incredibly challenging verses from the book of Psalms. Psalm 139. It's a psalm of David, a guy the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Guys, you don't have to ask God to do that. He knows your heart. There's nothing about you that he doesn't know, right? Then David says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. He knows them. He knows where you're struggling. Then he says, and this is the hard part. This is the part that blows my mind. God, point out anything in me that offends you, which means point out the things that I know are offensive to you, but also point out the things that I excuse, that I rationalize, that I justify, things I don't think are so offensive. If they offend you, let me know, God, because I want you to lead me along a path of everlasting life. This is rough stuff. Convict me, God. Reveal the dark stuff inside of me that I may not recognize as dark, but you think so, because sometimes we don't admit to sins into us and sometimes those are the most dangerous ones because they can lead us down a path away from God root out those things in me now can you say that prayer have you ever tried saying these kind of words to God I mean just read it with me you don't have to pray it yet if it worries you but just read it with me feel what it feels like on your lips ready out loud with me search me O God and know my heart Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That is a scary prayer. Okay, guys, I need you to be honest here for the next minute or so. I need you to be able to raise your hands, okay? So be honest, raise your hands. How many of you guys have ever told a lie? Keep your hands up, okay? Look around. If anybody doesn't have a hand up, look at them, give them a glare and say, liar. Okay? Because lying is one of the universal sins, isn't it? I lie a lot. In fact, I'm really good at it. Last week, when our service was over, my son, who is not a good man, my son right down there called me a liar. He did. Okay? It was pretty ugly. See, I told you guys at the end of the second service that chocolate was my feminine side, and that is not a lie. And I told you guys that I love my grandkids, and that is not a lie. And then I said, I love chocolate so much that I would steal my grandkids' chocolate right out of their mouths. And my son stood right there and he said, Dad, you lied. You lied to him. All right? Because he knows that I believe that all little kids are barbarians. Even my grandkids. They're disgusting. You ever watched how they eat? Have you ever looked at their cups after they've drunk something and you want that in your mouth? If they take a bite off something off my plate, I'm done with it. It's theirs, right? They touch my cup. I'm not going to touch it anymore. And my son sits here and he says, Dad, you lied in church. And I said, well, yeah. But it was funny. I lie a lot. Victoria. She was an exchange student that was, that was here before Ivana. She was from Columbia. We had her with us for a while. And she'd only been with us for a week or two. And she didn't know our routines. All she knew was that I was a Christian. And she was pretty convinced that that means that Julie and I were going to be kind of weird, right? <clears throat> so it was Sunday morning. And she didn't know us. She didn't know our culture. She's down in the kitchen. She's pouring herself a glass of orange juice. And I said, Vicki, No. We don't drink orange juice on Sundays. <laughs> and she gets all flustered and apologetic and stammering around and afraid she's offended me. And she pours it back into the jar and she puts it back into the refrigerator. And I didn't say a thing. <laughs> it was cool. A couple of weeks later on a Sunday morning, I'm pouring myself a glass of orange juice. And Vicky says, Daddy, it's Sunday. I know, I'm just yanking your chain. <laughs> this little Colombian exchange student hits me. <laughs> oh, twit. I love yanking people's chains. It's just fun. My kids and my grandkids learned early that I love to yank their chains. They're never quite sure at a very young age whether to believe their grandpa or not, right? And if they accuse me of lying, I push back on them and I say, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I'm a man of God. I can't lie. So I cover my lies with lies. Is that okay? What do you think? If it's not, I'm going to burn in hell. But I didn't have to teach my little guys to lie. It's kind of like we're all hardwired for it. We've got this propensity to sin inside of us, and it pops out really, really early. Nearly every kid is a not very gifted liar, Right? You ever watch your kids, they come out and chocolate's all over their face and it's all over their hands and you look at them and say, did you eat the cookies? I didn't do it. Not with this mouth and these hands, no. 
Have you ever gone in and checked their room and then you asked them, did you clean your room? I cleaned it. I cleaned it, right? And you already know what the answer is. We're kind of hardwired to lie from a very early age. We've got these sinful propensities and they come out. And part of the job of a parent is to teach our children to curb those propensities because that's what parents do. We know it's there. And we civilize them. I dug around a little bit on the net and I found this article in a magazine called Dent Our Mental Floss. It's a great little magazine. And it, it has this title, 60% of people can't go 10 minutes without lying, at least the little tiny lie shadings of the truth. And I found these kind of stats in there. By the age of four, 90% have grasped the concept of lying. By the age of four. 60% of adults can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying. That's the title of the article. 86% of us, they said, lie to our parents. 75% to our friends. 73% to our siblings. And 69% of us lie to our spouses. What do you think? Does that seem harsh? Numbers right? And usually it's just little tiny things. Little things that will kind of get us off the hook or make us look a little bit better. But sometimes it's bigger. They also showed this. They said, they said that 40% of us are going to lie on our resumes. Wow. 90% of us lie on online dating profiles when we fill them out. That's scary, isn't it? Now, I know that there are some, and you can hear them. You can hear them tell you that lying isn't wrong at all, right? Some argue stupidly that there really is no such thing as truth. There is no truth. You've got your truth. I've got my truth. Which means in the end, lying doesn't matter. We rationalize. And then we're here in Frankfurt. Frankfurt's a political town, and political towns tend to revolve around lying quite a bit. We're not Washington. Washington's worse, but we're still surrounded by spin, which is what we call it when politicians stretch the truth, right? We don't call it lying. We call it spin or fake news, which is pretty much anything that is reported by those that you don't agree with. Sometimes we get so good at it that it doesn't even embarrass us anymore. It doesn't shame us. The problem is that I'm not sure that God takes our lives so cavalierly. Here's the Old Covenant. Here's the Old Testament. This is commandment number eight. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. The message puts it like this. No lies. No lies against your neighbor. Stop it. Book of Proverbs. The Wisdom of Solomon. He says the Lord detests, and that's a really, really strong word. The Lord detests lying lips, and he delights on those who tell the truth. Here it is in the message. God can't stomach liars, but he loves the company of those who keep their word. It's harsh. But it's not just the Old Covenant. It's not just the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament as well. Jesus just says, speak the truth. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond that is from the Father of lies. Because that's what he calls him. That's what Jesus calls Satan. Jesus says Satan has always hated the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it's just consistent with his character. Because he's a liar. And here's the part that's scary. He's the father of lies. In other words, when we lie, Jesus says, we're kind of taken after the other guy who wants to be our dad. One more. Here's the apostle Paul. He said, don't lie to each other. Don't. You're done with that old life. That's how we used to be. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes that you've stripped off and put in the fire. Lying is what we used to do. It's not who we are now. 
And I'm going to walk on thin ice. I'm going to ride a very tight line for just a couple of minutes. And you don't have to agree with me on this part, okay? You see, I don't think technically all lying is sin. If what you mean by lying is any kind of deceit, saying anything that is not literally true. For example, I love yanking people's chains. I love telling stories for a laugh. I'm a preacher. I can't lie, right? I don't think genuine humor offends God unless you use humor to hurt people and then you ought to be horse whipped, right? I don't think real humor offends God. And technically, I think a lot of poetry, people who use metaphors, they tell things that are not literally true. Jesus did that. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I'm grateful that nobody in this room has taken him literally. Right? It's not what he meant. He meant to take sin deadly seriously. And, I mean, if you guys are athletes, if you played a lot of sports, then you're skilled in the art of deceit, aren't you? Fake left, go right. Fake a run, throw a pass, deceive them if you can. I played a lot of sports when I was younger and I coached. That's how it's done. I don't think sport offends God. And occasionally even, occasionally more lying is the most moral of two immoral alternatives, genuine ethical dilemmas. In the Old Testament, there's a woman by the name of Rahab. She's a heroine in the Old Testament story. Some of Israel's spies went into town and she hid them because the enemy was trying to find them and she lied to the enemy about where they were. She's called a hero. You have instances like that in World War II. You've read the stories of people like Corrie ten Boom hiding Jews in her basement. Germans ask, are they there? No, they're not. The least immoral of two immoral alternatives. But sometimes, here's the problem. We use gray areas. We say, well, it's not always a lie. And we use it to shade into the things that we tell that are offensive to God. We talk about these little white lies. I'll bet you've used some of these white lies. These top ten lists I found on the internet. Here's the top one they had. I'm fine. You ever said that when you're not? I love this present. You ever use that one? Sorry, I'm sick. I didn't see your text. Let's keep in touch. You ever use that one? This meal's great. (laughs) I can't wait to get out of here or go to McDonald's. I'm leaving in five minutes. I'm on my way. I'll be ready in 15. No, you don't need to lose weight. So many of these things. Must be in my spam folder. My phone died. I don't watch that much TV. I'm almost done. It's great to see you. I remember you. It's not you, it's me. I got plans that day. I love it. I'll call you later. I gotta run. Just kidding. I hate that one. Just kidding. Your baby's adorable. (laughs) Here's the Christian one. Here's the Christian white lie. You ready? 
I'll pray for you. And often our lies are not so little. In fact, the problem is, maybe those lies aren't so little to our God. What do you think? Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. And he knows it. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And he does. Point out anything in me that offends you. <laughs> you don't need to point out the things in me that offend me. I know those. Point out anything in me that offends you, God, because I want you to lead me on a path to of everlasting life. I found an article in a magazine, Christianity Today. It's called The Seven Levels of Lying. It was pretty good. I'm just going to run through it real fast. It's kind of interesting. First line in the article, every person on the planet at times is an Oscar-winning liar. Haven't we all lied without being caught? And the Bible says there is no one righteous, not even one. And then it goes on to describe this path that lying can take you on, this path that leads you further and further away from God. It can happen. Number one is you just tell a lie. And we all have. We all do. And unless you confess the truth, it's possible you're going to start moving further down this path. Number two, you self-protect, which means you lie about your lie. Have you ever lied in order to cover a lie? They do that to us, doesn't it? Don't they? One guy said lies are weak. They're weaklings. They need bodyguards. Another guy said, and you've heard this one before, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. It just gets worse and worse. Number three, if you do it often enough, you start developing a habit of lying. The more you do something, the easier it gets. The more you do something, it actually develops these neural pathways in your brain where it starts becoming your default. It gets easier and easier to do and harder and harder to stop. You're getting to a dangerous place with this habit. Level four, you self-deceive. This is a weird thing about us. Sometimes we start believing our lies. You ever believed a lie that you've told? It doesn't matter whether a lie bothers you. What matters is whether it bothers God, which is why search me, O God. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends, me, offends you because I want you to lead me down a path of everlasting life. Number five, you start rationalizing. You justify. You excuse your lies to other people, to God, and to yourself. And pretty soon you might say something like this. You don't understand. We've never had a real marriage. We've had 30 years of cohabitation and child rearing. But I have never felt for you what I feel for her. What I'm doing is not adultery. It's love. Because a man has to follow his heart. Level six. The more you do it, the more you develop your technique. You get better at it. We refine our skills. And then level seven, according to this article, people can actually get to the point where they convince themselves that doing, saying something that is wrong is the right thing to do and saying the right thing is actually the wrong thing to do. You start calling evil good and good evil. You have seared your conscience and it is taking you a long ways from God. Because of stuff like this, lying is a serious sin, guys. It's not a sin because God tells us not to. That's what we miss. God tells us not to because it erodes so many things. It erodes trust. 
It corrupts relationships. It violates people. It violates our own integrity. It violates our God. I went through that list fast. Let me say it again. Listen. Lying erodes trust. As trust declines, relationships split apart. Lying violates people. Lying violates me. Lying violates the character of my God, which is why that it is, some people say, antichrist to lie. Three more pieces very quickly. To whom do we lie? Why do we lie? How do you turn it around? To whom? To whom do we lie? Well, first part is easy. We usually lie to people. We lie to our husbands and our wives, our parents, our kids, our friends, our bosses, our colleagues. We lie to cops. I didn't see the sign. Jeremiah the prophet got pretty cynical in the Old Testament. He says, they all fool and they all defraud each other. No one tells the truth. With practiced tongues, they tell lies. They wear themselves out with all their sinning. It may not be his cynicism. It may be that just as Jeremiah's revealing the heart of God, it's possible. I saw a study one time, and they're talking about the big lies, not the little tiny white lies. They're talking about the big ones, and they say that on average, ladies lie three times a day. Shame on you. It says we guys lie six times a day. Shame on us. Again, they're focusing on the big ones. We lie to people. But here's the deal, and this is something we sometimes don't get. You cannot lie to a person without lying to God. Do you buy that? I know it's a weird concept. Every time you lie to a person, you're lying to, lying against God. Partly just because that person you're talking to is a child of God. You're trying to deceive his kid. But it goes further than that. There's a weird, weird little story in the book of Acts. And Acts is kind of the history book of the early church. This guy named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of land. And they took the money and they gave it to the apostles. And they said, this is everything we earned from that sale. Aren't we cool? And it was an amazing thing that they did. Just being generous out of what God had gifted them with was an amazing thing. But they made themselves out to be way more generous than they actually were. And you know what Peter said? He said, you've let Satan fill your heart. You've actually let the father of lies lead you. He says, you didn't just lie to us. You actually lied to God, which is weird. These two guys did a good thing. They put on like they did a great thing. And God struck them down. But more than that, they thought they were just lying to the people of God. And Peter says, you're not just lying to us. You're lying to him. God killed them, both of them. You don't lie to God. One more, we lie to people, we lie to God. And here's the deal. And this is the weird part of, the, of, of how we're made. We lie to ourselves. David, you know, he's called a man after God's own heart. He prays this amazing prayer. He says, keep me from lying to myself because I'm likely to believe it. It's a smart prayer. Because we deceive ourselves, and it'll mess you up. I'll show you some of them. You ever said something like this? I can stop. I can stop any time. I'm not an addict. I don't have a problem with food. I have a problem with shopping, with gossip, video games, gambling, anger, porn, alcohol, marijuana, painkillers. You fill in the blank. I can stop. 
Well, this one's worse. This one's really hard on us. You ready? I'm okay with God. I'm okay with God. When if you allowed yourself to get brutally honest with yourself, you know you're not. When if you were to actually pray that prayer, get quiet enough and say, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you, he might tell you you're not. How are you with God? How are you with God right now? What do you need to do to make it better? To whom do we lie? To people, to God, to ourselves. Why do we lie? Why do we lie? You can make an extensive list of petty little reasons. Sometimes we lie to protect somebody that we care about. You look fine. If you're decent, you don't want to hurt people. You want to be nice. Maybe there's a better way. Truth and grace. Sometimes we lie to protect ourselves. Sometimes telling a lie is done because we don't want to look bad. We don't want to get caught. Kind of cowardly. Sometimes if you tell the truth, it's going to make them push back on you. Sometimes if you tell the truth to someone, they're going to push you away. And sometimes we fear people more than we fear God, right? Has to be a better way. And sometimes we lie just because we're mean. To use people, to abuse people, sometimes we lie about people just to hurt them. That's just evil. But those are the little reasons. Micro reasons, petty reasons. Bottom line, if you're a Jesus follower, we lie because we don't trust him. Think about it. We lie because we don't trust our God. We don't trust his opinion of us. We care more about what people think of us than what God thinks of us. Anytime you care about people more than you care about God, it's going to mess you up. And we don't trust him to protect us, so we lie to protect ourselves. And we lie because we don't really believe that doing life his way is going to be better than doing life my way. I think I know better on this one, God. One guy put it like this. This is a quote. He said, every external mouth lie grows out of an internal heart choice that says what other people think of me is more important than what God thinks of me. I like them more than I like God. I need their approval more than I need God. I depend on their love and their security more than I depend on God. That's what he says, and I think he's on a path there. And he goes on to say the antidote for lying then is not simply to buckle down and tell the truth. That's what we're going to try to do, and you ought to do. But it's not enough. The real antidote for lying is to believe that God is God. To believe that God is God. To trust that what the creator and the king of the universe says about us is what really matters. His opinion is what matters. And to believe that in union with Christ, what he says about us isn't rooted in who we are. It's rooted in who Jesus is. That's powerful stuff, guys. I was tempted to wrap this stuff up this morning by just suggesting, just stop it, please. Lying is a sin against God, if it's offensive to God, if it degrades people, if it erodes community. Stop it. Just be people of truth and grace. Truth and grace, right? Truth and grace. It's out on our capstone of the church. Truth and grace. Does this make me look fat? You make it look good. Truth and grace. Does this make me look fat? You always look good to me.
truth and grace. But maybe it's not just that easy. You see, sometimes things, sins become so ingrained in us that it's nearly impossible for us to just stop it. You can want to stop it, but sometimes they're so deeply rooted. So the next time you have to consciously stop, take a deep breath, figure out a way to speak truth with grace. Think about it for a moment. And if you can't figure out a way to speak truth with grace, just keep your mouth shut. If you can't say it graciously, don't be the one to speak the truth. And then the next time you're tempted to lie, try it again, just truth and grace. And the next time, try it again, truth and grace, until you've done it ten times, a hundred times, a thousand times. And if you do it frequently enough, it'll start to carve this new neural pathway in your brain. It'll become your default. You'll become a truthful person instead of a liar. But it's going to take more than that. Because I'm not strong enough to defeat my sin and you're not strong enough to defeat yours. It's going to take an act of God on my inside. I've got to keep pursuing God and I've got to trust his spirit to do his work inside of me. I've got to trust him. I've got to let God be God. Trust his opinion of me. Trust his protection of me. Trust that his way of doing life is infinitely better than my way of doing life. Trust him to reveal anything in me that is offensive to him and go with it. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And please, lead me along a path of everlasting, eternal life, real life, great life. Would you pray with me, please? Father, this stuff is hard because all of us are sinners and Oftentimes we just justify ourselves. We rationalize it. And we can find the loopholes, but sometimes we use those loopholes to attack the heart of what you want us to be. We want to be people of God. We want to honor you with our lives, with our speech, with our actions. We want to be people of truth and grace. That's who you are. That's what brought us here. And we want to be like you. We love you dearly. We want people to be healed through you working in us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.